All right, welcome. First, let me give you greetings from the Outer Banks of North Carolina. We're up north, and uh, we've had a connection here with Venture for a long time. I was here on the first Sunday, on launch Sunday, what was that, seven or eight years ago? Um, and that's the only time I've been here, so this is my first time back since then. Um, I know that uh, just in terms of our connection, the, the church where I preach in Kill Double Hills and you guys, um, from the very beginning, like the the church planners of Eastern North Carolina were a part of this. I'm a part of that organization. Sunrise uh, was, uh, that's the church where I'm at, Sunrise Church of Christ. We've, we started uh, supporting you guys early um, in the beginning. And so I say that only to, to send greetings, like that's the, the Christian faith that we're a part of. We share, you know, very much uh, in common, um, especially our love for Jesus Christ, but also just supporting each other, launching new churches, um, helping play people in other regions of the state and in the world uh, just to, to share this message. And so uh, from people who uh, are kind of like your, a sister church, um, I, send, I send my greetings from them to you, and I'll make sure that I tell them when I get back uh, that you do the same, and, unless you don't want to uh, greet them. But, but, uh, you can tell me after the service, uh, you'll wait until after the sermon. So my brother, thanks for inviting me, Chris. My, my brother and I, we are like, um, I say this all the time. We are like the Elsa and Anna of brothers, right? <laughs> He's got superpowers and he runs the kingdom. And all I want to do is build a snowman. <laughs> There's, uh, there's no one I have followed more than my brother. He was born, and then I was born. There's a mystery right there. He's the older one. Every school that I went to, he went to first, even college. His hobbies became my hobbies. He played baseball, I played baseball. He's a skater, I was a skater. He played music, I played music. His profession became my profession, right? His friends became my friends. I've just followed him every step of the way. And so, so I'm here today to announce, as of today, I've decided. I'm taking over as lead minister here at Venture Church. Um, I really have no choice. Uh, there's, there's, uh, this is just how this works. And so, uh, no, seriously, um, I've literally followed Chris my whole life. And, and he's been everything a big brother should be um, and more. Granted, he hasn't always pointed me in the right direction. You've probably heard a few stories from our past. And uh, maybe he's told you about the time where he did he tell you uh, the time he convinced me to run away from home. Like, you know, I was a six year old kid and, uh, you know, he's big brother. I had to, you know, you know, your six year old typical fight with your parents, whatever that looks like as a six year old. And, you know, my brother, he's thoughtful and he just told me what, what needed to happen. You need to, you, it's time for you to go, man. You need, you need to head on out. And so he helped, he helped me pack my bags. He, we packed a suitcase. He patted me on the butt and sent me on my way, you know. Um, he just, just a thoughtful guy helped me figure life out. Um, but that was my fault. That was my fault for following an eight year old, or at least that's what he told me. Um, that it was my fault. But, uh, yeah, there were, there were times when he, he led me astray. Um, but once our brains developed and we, we, we passed raging adolescence for my money, there's not been a better, uh, big brother. And I could tell you story on top of story of how Chris uh, has given me uh, the, the right example to follow. 
the, uh, the, the way to aspire, um, the way of life to aspire to. And I, I, I would follow him all over again, into the unknown, right? <laughs> because listen, we all follow somebody. We all have in our life, there's been people we've been drawn to, messages, uh, some belief that has, has carried us to the next phase of our life. And it just so happens that I followed a guy who turned towards the right source. I followed my parents and I followed my brother. And it's been uh, fortunate for me to, to follow towards the source of truth as they followed them. And, uh, and that's kind of going to be my topic that I discuss today. Where do you find truth? If we're going to follow something, if we're going to follow somebody, where do we find truth and how do we know it's really, really there? Before you decide to make a decision, how do you know what's right? Before you act or before you respond to something, before you react to something that you've learned, before you follow or subscribe, how do you know what you've been told is true? There's a sermon series that I preached in, at Sunrise uh, this past year is a, a series I called Orthodox, where we were trying to gain confidence in our beliefs about God. Orthodox. The definition that I used for Orthodox is conforming to what is right and true. Everybody say Orthodox. Orthodox. You may have heard that word. You may use it in your, your vocabulary. Uh, but in that series, we asked the question, is it even possible for, for a society or for that matter, just a small group of people to conform to what is right and true. And then how do we, how do, we do that? Because we disagree so much and have these different opinions and there's things that are true and things that are kind of gray areas. Can I really be confident in what I believe? And, and the answer is absolutely. We can, we can find what is right and true, find orthodoxy. But today the, t- the, the, uh, the question that I'm trying to attempt to answer is this. How? That's the task for today. How can I know something is true? How can I filter out truth from lies, the known from the unknown, the black and the white? And then how can I be responsible with that spectrum of gray that lies in between? Today we're going to try and answer the question, how can I be confident something is right or true or orthodox? From the moment you were born, your little bitty brains, I'm talking about your baby brains, not your current brains. Your little bitty brains started soaking in and processing the information that, that you were, were seeing. As, as your brain learns, uh, it starts to realize, uh, you know, there's, there's some things that are true. Like you, you, you start to uh, see the world and you start to hear the world and, and those things start to make you understand what's around you. You learn some things are true and some things are not true. Uh, when, when your mom tells you that uh, this green food on your plate is good for you, at first you move forward with trust, right? You're like, yes, okay, mom knows what... You, and you put that green food in your mouth and you think, wait a second, I've been lied to. This thing is terrible. It's not good for me. Um, but but it, seriously, here's what we're up against. Your whole life is a constant flow of this. This information, this data through all your senses being processed by your brain. You, whatever you hear and whatever you see and whatever you feel and you smell and you taste and touch. From all kinds of sources, conscious, unconscious. Uh, we take in so much and our brains 
uh, work hard to process that information until we come to understand it. And then someone steps in uh, to your life at some point and tells you there's a glitch in this system of understanding you've started to develop. It's called lies. So there's things that you were understanding and then all of a sudden you're like, wait a second. Some of the understanding is wrong. Like, and it goes by many names. Uh, deceit, falsehoods, fabrications, manipulations. I had to pull out my thesaurus for this exercise. Right? But it's not all devious types of things. There's mistakes. There's misunderstandings. There's flaws. There's oversights. Under, you know, uncertainty. My point is that the human condition leaves us with this limited capacity to knowledge and understanding. And so we're kind of stuck. Because we also have this instinct to know and understand correctly. We're kind of driven towards that to know it. Like, in fact, that instinct is so strong that we pursue, as a human race, we pursue knowledge like an addiction. There's never enough. We always want to go further into the universe and, and zoom in to the smallest atom and, and beyond. Like we want to know the depths of the universe and we pursue it. We soak it all up and we want more to the point when we take in information, sometimes we don't even consider whether or not that information is true. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 14 says this. It says, the discerning heart seeks knowledge. But the mouth of the fool feeds on folly. I read this verse. uh, The discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of the fool feeds on folly. And I I imagine this foolish man with this huge appetite just eating words. Just eating anything that's told to him, anything he watches or sees. Just eating all this information with this insatiable appetite. And the Bible calls us fools when we feed and then when we speak idiotic knowledge. But when is knowledge idiotic? That's where we come to a dilemma. And our world is saturated with this problem. I I brought this sponge up here with me today. And uh, have you ever heard our brains are like a sponge? You heard that phrase before, especially when when you're a kid. um, You know, they, they talk about kids learning. and like, oh, their brain's just this sponge. It's just soaking up. Evidently, the older you get, the less porous your sponge is. You can't retain as much as quickly. But our brains are a sponge. Like they're absorbing all the different sources and information in uh, in life. Um, And I want to just take a second and consider the many things that our brains absorb over uh, our, our time in life. I mean, the things that we come to collect and then helps us to develop what we think is right and true or orthodox. This is it's hypothetical, okay? But I've got knowledge here. I'm going to put your brain in this tray and see if you'll follow me here. Basic learning stuff is how we start. You're you're a baby. You're a toddler, and uh, you learn some things. You're like, this is a cup, okay? A little bit of knowledge. I learned that's a cup. This is mommy. All right. Now I know what mommy is. All right, uh, you you know this is Paw Patrol. Okay, this is Paw Patrol. I know what Paw. Uh, um, you know uh, you watch Paw Patrol, which I've I've actually never seen Paw Patrol, um, but I did see a lot of My Little Pony. I've got girls. I watched a lot of My Little Pony, and and so we watch My Little Pony, and a big thing with My Little Pony friendship. This is what friendship looks like. Okay, 
Now I know what friendship looks like. This is how you deal with your anger. All right, we're learning some, some ethical things already as a young kid This uh, from TV. You watch your mom and dad, and they'll teach you things. They'll explain things. You learn some things that they just tell you straight up. You also learn some things just by observing. This is how married people talk to each other. Okay. This is, uh, you know, how you deal with your feelings. And sometimes, I don't want to get dark or negative, but sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's not a good thing, but you're still, you're a kid, you're just learning, you're taking it in. It's like, this is how life works. This is how the home works. So you're going to soak all this stuff in and you, you pick up on things and you, you don't know at a young age whether something's right or wrong. You just think that this is how things work. Uh, you go to school and you learn from su- different subjects. You learn about math and you learn about English and you learn about your shapes and colors and you go through your school days. Uh, not only do you learn things from school, but you also learn things from your social life at school. This is cool because when in, in your social life, you realize that uh, other kids come from other families and they grew up differently. And so you start to gain. It's like, oh, they do things like that. Okay, I didn't know you could do that. And I didn't know you could talk like that. I've never heard that word before. Uh, you know, you learn some new things and you take those in because the other families, they, they do things differently. They have different values and different words and different behaviors. So you are inevitably influenced by those new things that you're learning. You go home and if you're like me, you after school, you watch a little bit of TV. You pick up some things from TV or maybe you're streaming something. You're scrolling through some videos. You realize that every video you watch, most people, they have some reason they made that video. Some message or some intention that you start to gain, want to influence you through, you know, whatever message, you know, and and some things aren't necessarily heavy, but you learn like, okay, this is what I think is funny. I think this is funny. I learned this, this thing. This is what I think is normal. And this is what I think is abnormal based on what I've seen. And which is, you have to wait for a second because it's like, oh, well, that's abnormal. But I was under the impression that it was normal. And so you're kind of like, okay, I'm just going to let that sit there. A little confusing because I'm learning some mixed messages. But um, you start to get messages from other places. Like your feelings. I mean, you, your heart starts to tell you things that are going on. And so you explore your, the things that you enjoy. And you're learning. You're growing. You're like, when I have this feeling, that's good. When I have that feeling, it's bad. And this is what makes me uncomfortable. And this is what makes me happy. Like, you start to develop opinions. And you explore those opinions with your friends. And as you start talking about those things, you're just pouring in some more things that you learned uh, from, from those conversations. And you follow. Somebody told you once, well, if you want to know what's true, you follow your heart. Like, oh, okay, follow my heart. Follow the things that I believe to be true. And so you're like, okay, that sounds good. I like that. Um, And I'll start doing that. And you get a little older. You start to gain some independence now. You're 20 years old. um, But let me tell you something. You're 20 years old. Your sponge is saturated with all kinds of stuff you've learned through the just these 20 years, right? You've gone to church and you learned about Jesus. You learned about God, right? You also learned about some other religions in your different places. And so you're just taking all that in, trying to process um, these other beliefs. But at this point in your life, you're 20 years old and you, want, you realize, I need, to, I need to settle in on some of my beliefs. I need to take my beliefs to another point in life. And I, I need to have purpose. I need to have conviction. I need to have passion and direction in life. And so your question is, what is right? What is true? And there's no shortage of opinions. You just glance around the landscape of your life and you see, okay, my friends, my peers, they, they, they value certain things. I, you know, okay, I grew up with some Christians and I know what they like. There's other messages out there. It's like, okay, what are some, some 
positive messages out there. Uh, uh, in, inclusion. That's a word that's popular right now. It's like, yeah, that's a, that's a good thing. Equality. Love equality. Is that going to be my thing? Is that going to be the, the direction that I really, the, the environment? I really love nature. And so and is that is that something that I'm going to be passionate about? Not only the things that are good, but also the things that I could be against. Right? I could be against racism, right? Racism is bad and I'm gonna run at it and, and take care, like that's gonna be my, or, or, uh, like politics. A lot of people are passionate about politics. Is that gonna be my thing? I'm gonna take all the things that I've gained and I'm gonna direct it towards this, you know, and you're trying to settle in on like, where is, where's my convictions gonna be? What platform am I gonna take up? And the world is just saturated with marketing convincing you, all right, this is the direction. They're going to tug you in all these directions, draw you to pick this side. You got you to come over here because they're stupid. This is what's true, and they're idiots. And so watch this video over here, and you're like, okay, I'll take some more stuff in. Uh, and then you watch, uh, you go to the grocery, you can't avoid it anyway. You go to the grocery store, and they, they tell you, hey, would you donate to this, you know, $1 to this charity? And you're like, okay. Everywhere you turn, someone's telling you what is important and what's valuable and where you should be putting your money, your time, your words. You watch the news. You watch the news and then this channel, it says X, Y, and Z. That's what's important and that's what you should believe in. So you take that in. But then you turn the channel to the other news channel and it says, you know what? X, Y, and Z are stupid. That's the worst thing you could ever think. And so don't do X, Y, Z. Do the opposite of X, Y, Z. And then there's 200 other alternative news channels trying to tell you what your values are and what your motives should be and tell you who's right and who's wrong, not to mention all the subconscious things that you've been telling yourself based on what you've learned. You know, you, you know you're supposed to be pretty and successful and rich and all these things. And I'm not pretty and I'm not successful and I'm not rich. And so that, you know, affects how I view myself and my value in life. You take all these messages without even knowing it. You've developed a concept of what is right and true and your heart gets involved for better or for worse and you start testing all that you've soaked in through the years and all you want to do is to conform to what is right. You want to do what is true. But you're saturated with so much intake, so much data, so much information. Who can really say what's right? Who can really say what's true with all of that saturation? You know there is right and wrong, but you need some help sorting it out. And then someone comes and tells you, he says, you know what, Jason? There is one God. And he knows all truth. Maybe you heard that sometime through the years. Psalm chapter 147 Verse 5, it says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Like, the one true God has unlimited understanding. You think to yourself, if that's true, how can I tap into this? At this point, your sponge, your brain, is relatively useless. And by that I mean your brain is just overwhelmed Because it's saturated with worldly confusion. How can I possibly separate what I've come to believe is right and true with what is actually right and true? And today's message on what is orthodox is simple. The Bible is the word of God. In in theology, we call this bibliology. 
Bibliology, it, you know, it would include a lot of things that we're not going to discuss. I mean, it's the, it's the study of the origin of the Bible, the accuracy, the authority of the Bible, the writers and contexts and translations and applications and interpretations. And I won't be covering all of that today, but, but if you'll just trust me for a second, it's it like, go and study that. Go and study the Bible itself and why it's accurate and, and reliable and inspired by God. But since I'm not going to cover all of that context... And I know that not everybody's there. Not everybody's on that page with the Bible yet. I do think that's an exercise you need to practice. But if you'll just, if you'll finish the sermon with me under that assumption, let's just for a second assume you already believe that the Bible is the word of God. It is accurate, authoritative, inspired revelation from God himself. If you have to pretend, I understand you might need to do that. But walk with me in in that direction. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 says, See to it. That no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies. Which depend on human traditions and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. The saturation in life takes us captive. Hollow and deceptive. It says spiritual forces of this world. I mean, much of it, maybe not all of it. It calls it human tradition. It's not, it's not that we're growing and we're progressing into a new enlightenment, a, a truer logic, but elemental forces of this world. So to start answering the question, let's, let's do this first. Don't be taken captive. We've got to wring out our sponge. I feel like we should probably do that daily. The amount of worldly philosophy that is poured into our brains. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 and 19, it says, Do not deceive yourself. If any of you thinks you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools. So that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. If, if you want to learn what is, how to know what is right and true, you have, I think you've got to start by wringing out all the bad sources. Which includes, but is not limited to. Let's start with this. Let's wring out your heart. Uh, your, your feelings. Like the, the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 that the heart is deceitful. Believing your heart or, or following your gut is, is, is a God-given thing. It's like it, but it's only useful. It's a good thing. Your feelings. God gave us intuition, discernment, those kind of things. But it's a good thing only insofar as it aligns with God's word. Um, it might have been more useful in My Little Pony to follow your heart. But we wrung that thing out already, right? Like, we've got to follow our heart insofar as it aligns with the Word of God. Same thing goes with your experiences. As valuable as they can be, your experiences or your dreams or that voice in the night or, you know, a feeling that you have. It's not to say that God doesn't guide us with those things, but God does not contradict His Word And they can be bad sources if they are not aligned with what God has already said. 
Here's some easier things to ring out of, of, uh, of your brain. YouTube. Ring it out. Fox News. Ring it out. CNN. Netflix. Hulu. TikTok. Uh, Joe Schmo, who recorded a video in the front seat of his car. Right? Like, you know, these, uh, like... For the most part, unless they are speaking from the wisdom gained through God's word, just let's start by ringing it out and then maybe come back to it to see how it aligns with God's word. Now, moving forward from here, you've heard me say this a couple of times. The source of truth has got to be from God. He is the one who knows all things. And over time, he has blessed us with exactly what we need to know, a standard by which we can measure truth and it's his word the bible first timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and 17 it says all scripture is god breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting training in righteousness so that the servant of god may be thoroughly equipped for every good work the bible is god's inspired word given to us to guide us into truth but that's not the only thing like the bible's not the only thing that that guides us into truth uh, there's more than this. God also says that he gives us his spirit. All right, Jesus said before his death on the cross in John chapter 15, verse 26, he was talking to his disciples and he said, I will send you a helper from the father. The helper is the spirit of truth who comes from the father. If you're a Christian here today, when you become a Christian, you receive two things. You receive forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, how do I know those things? Is that something my grandma told me? Is that something I just made up? I know that because that's what I found in God's Word. In Acts chapter 2, Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you and your children and for those who are all far off. That's us. We're 2,000 years later. For all whom the Lord God will call. Now, I don't have to tell you that, like for me, doing an illustration, wringing out a sponge, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty easy thing to do. It's soft and, and I can just do it right here in front of everybody. But it's not quite that easy to filter out uh, your brain from the things that you learn and developed into to understand how the world works and what's, what's good and what's wrong. Like, um, but it, it'd not only be difficult to do that, but impossible to do that without the Spirit of God in you as a guide, as a helper. So we have the Word of God and we have the Spirit of God. Those are the two guiding features that help us to understand what is true. I want to read an awesome passage. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, about this concept. So follow me here. It's uh, 1 Corinthians 2, starting with verse 14. It says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgment. For who knows, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The Spirit offers us truth. That the, the worldly wisdom cannot wrap their head around, cannot grasp it. It doesn't, it's not like it's hidden, like it's some kind of exclusive thing. It's like, nope, not for you. It's only for a select few. No, it's, it's an invitation for anyone to have. But the difference is it's, it's pure. 
The truth that comes from the Spirit is pure, and that is confusing to the world. I want to give you one more story. Maybe this will help explain a little bit. You remember the story when uh, Jesus meets the woman at the well. It comes from John chapter 4, if you want to go back and read this. In John chapter 4, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, he said, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, well, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Now, this is just a side note here, but you can already see that uh, the saturation of what they thought to be true, like this woman thought, I can't interact with Jews. I'm a Samaritan. That's a lie. Of course she can interact with Jews, but culture had developed this understanding it's like no you guys can't interact and she's learned it and bought into it and it's like that's what she believes that we can't interact right that's just a side note but you see how things go with life where things that aren't true become truth somehow Um, verse 10 jesus answered her let's see he's already asked her for water uh like jesus answered her if you knew the gift of god and who it is that asks you for a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? She goes to Jesus like, living water? See, the meaning of what Jesus is saying is like hidden in a way. Like she can't see, she can't hear what he's saying. Like, what are you talking about? Living water. You don't even have a bucket. And you see how silly that is a little bit? Like he's not talking about water, but all she can see and hear is the physical. You don't have a bucket. The well is deep. She goes into the history of the wells from Jacob and like all these physical things. Uh, and, and she can't see what Jesus, who he is and what he's really saying here. Verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks the water, this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw uh, more water. And so you see, she's still not quite understanding the water that Jesus is talking about. Having lived in a world that is saturated with worldly wisdom, she's soon going to realize She's soon going to realize who it is that's talking to her, that Jesus, this man who can transform her poor, confused world. Because right now, she's living under these, these lives, these beliefs. She believes that, that she's all alone. Yeah, I've got to come to this well all by myself every day. I'm all alone. That's a lie. You're not alone. She believes probably that she's irreversibly dirty. I've had five failed marriages, and I'm, I'm just, I'm unworthy. I'm dirty. Irreversibly lie but that's how she lives her life she believes that you know i can't associate with men because i'm a woman i can't associate with jews because i'm a samaritan all of these kind of lies a byproduct of being saturated by these worldly perceptions and jesus is standing in front of her offering her living water to be cleaned and filled with the spirit of truth verse 23 jesus says a time is coming And has now come when the true worshiper will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. 
God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that that Messiah, the Christ, I know that he's coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared to her, I, the one who's speaking to you, I am he. And I just imagine her eyes just wide, like her mind is blown, realizing you, you are the Messiah, the one that will explain everything to us. She, she doesn't have to wait anymore. She, she can wring out her sponge, everything the world's been teaching her, wring that thing out, right? And Jesus let him fill her with living water. And hopefully, as you're listening to that story, you realize that this is something that you and I can do as well. Ring out all the lies the world tells us. And let Jesus pour into us truth. So that we can interpret the things. There's not like there's no truth around us. I'm not saying everything you hear and everything you see is not true. But you have to have something to measure it against. Something that's foundational and anchored. So let's try and apply this. As, you, as life hits you, as you go through life, you, you, uh, as a, you are trying to chase after God. You're going to be presented with many questions. Questions that you think you know the answer to. And, and until someone else comes to you and, they, and tries to challenge you. It's like, no, what you believe, what you're saying is wrong. You're mistaken. How do you discover... How do I discover my faulty understanding and let Jesus be my guide? We're much better at finding their faulty understanding and telling them where they're wrong. But this is not the discussion. Our discussion is how do I find my faulty understanding and let Jesus be my guide? Maybe it was, maybe it's, I got a list of questions here that might pop up in a day like today. Somebody asks, like, how do we handle politics as a Christian? How am I supposed to hand, approach gender? How does God think about marriage or homosexuality? Who is Jesus, really? Do I become an angel when I die? If so, you know, like, like is there a hell? And if so, like, how do I know that I'm going to heaven? These are questions. When will the world end? Can you tell, like, how will the world end? What's God's view of war? Can Christians drink alcohol? Like, I'm just thinking of random questions that might just pop up. But, I, like, you might have your own that you're already in your mind. Like, how I, I'm trying to discover, I'm trying to figure out how to think and what to say. Like the woman at the well, we might be guilty of letting the world... Teach us the answers to life's questions. But that's only going to leave us confused. And so as I look around at a room like this, I know many of you probably have really good answers to those questions or the millions of others that are going to pop up in your lifetime. Before you answer your questions, let me ask you first, what is your source for those answers? Have you taken time lately... To wring out your sponge. What have you been pouring into your brain lately that gives you that passion recently? How are you coming up with your answers? How are you getting your convictions? We go to God's word to find God's truth. Right? 
So let's not be confused by the saturation that we've taken in from the world. I want you to take time this week to examine how you search for truth. And before you decide the right uh, attitude to take or the words to say or the stance to hold to make a decision, what is your guide? Who is your guide? And as you leave today, I'm going to put out, uh, I guess, is that the exit door over there? I'm going to put out there just a little box and it's going to have these little sponges. And I'm going to encourage you to take one home with you. I want you to take one. I'm assuming that you have somewhere you could put this. Maybe like you go to the, the bathroom every day. So put it in your bathroom. Put it right beside the sink. It's a good place for a sponge to sit. Um, put it under your mirror or beside your toothbrush. And let it be a reminder of some of the, the thoughts in this message today. Maybe what you'll do, take that sponge, turn on the water, and just let the water run over it. All right? Squeeze it and let the sponge just soak it Soak in that water as a reminder of how saturated, how many lies can be poured into our brains on a daily basis. Watch it. Watch it get saturated. And then take that sponge, turn the water off, and just wring it out. As a reminder to get rid of the saturation from this world. And then that's not the end. That's just kind of the beginning exercise. Then put the sponge down and go grab your Bible. And start filling yourself. Pour in truth. Living water. If that helps, when the sponge gets worn out, go get another sponge. And, and, and if that's a weird exercise for you, then don't do it. Don't do it. But find, find some way to stop allowing the world to be the source that's being poured into us. And let's allow God to give us clean, pure water. And then move forward being led by the Holy Spirit through his word. Would you pray with me?